0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention, Metatopia, at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 285, RPGs and English as our Vehicular Language Beyond American Culture Online. Presented by Kalum, Pamela Punzalan, Diogo Nogueira, and Alan Cuticio.
1: Hello, I am Kalum from the EuroList. Welcome to this Metatopia panel. We've got a rather long title today. It is called tabletop Role Playings and English as our vehicular language beyond the American culture online. So what is it all about? We're going to discuss it. Uh, but the great thing today is that we got individuals from a lot of different continents. Myself, I'm from the European continent. My first language is French, uh, but today I have someone joining from Asia. Uh, Pam, would you mind introducing yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Pam, also known as Pamu or the Dovetailer Online. I'm coming from Manila, where our first language literally depends on what province you come from. And English doesn't tend to be the first language where I'm from. I am here to represent, in a way, Southeast Asia.
1: Alan, I often regret, uh, I don't see more... Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying nothing is going on there, but I certainly don't have enough opportunities to find out what's coming out of Africa in terms of tabletop role-playing game. Uh, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, so, um,
0: Alan, I'm a bit of a hybrid because I'm based in Europe, uh, but I'm half-African and I've lived there as well, so Ghana and Italy are the two countries. So currently, I'm based in Germany, Berlin. Uh, and uh, I founded a company called We're working on a game called the Wagaboo Chronicles, which is both a fifth edition setting and a video game as well. By the way, we we're just recently on Kickstarter. It went well, and I'm still alive, <laughs> and I'm here. So uh, shameless uh, kind of shout out. Uh, cool, I'm super excited about being here and talking about, uh, yeah, uh, non-anglophone games.
1: And last but not least, let's cross the Atlantic and land in uh, Southern America. Diogo, where are you from
3: and what's your deal? Hi, I'm, I'm Diogo Nogueira. I'm from Brazil. Uh, we here speak Portuguese, although pretty much the rest of uh, Latin America all speak Spanish. And it's kind of a little bearer, but we can kind of understand each other somewhat and Um, I mostly publish in English because I want to show a little bit what we do here in Brazil. We have like a somewhat strong community. It's really smaller compared to anything else but I I publish under old school publishing and I try to uh, maintain a community and communication with other others from Brazil. They are are publishing uh, internationally too and trying to reach to other uh, authors and creators here in South America, Argentina, Mexico, and and other countries here.
1: Great! Uh, Well, let's get started. So, what do we mean, actually? What does that mean that today, the four of us, we have that in common, that we're using English as our vehicular language, and and what do we mean when we say that uh, we engage online in an environment which is dominated by the U.S. demographics. Um, Pam, do you want to start?
2: Well, curiously, the relationship that Filipinos have with English is, I guess, rife and complicated because we were taught English by America when America colonized us. Uh, And that influence carried a lot farther, despite the fact that Spain had come before America and had stayed in for 300 years. So English is sort of a, it's, it's supposed to be the neutral sort of language that every province theoretically should use or understand. It is also the language of business primarily beyond Chinese. And it is also the language of the educated and the elite. And interestingly enough, the hobby of tabletop from in the Philippines is the hobby of rich people, uh, mostly because there are educational barriers in place there are also, uh, expen- it's also very expensive for us. Uh, for context, a, a book, any kind of tabletop book, if you could even get it in, in Manila, is at least marked up maybe 50 to 100 uh, percent because of the shipping. So it's, it's an interesting and controversial topic to deal with when it comes to English. When we engage with online spaces, it's really because there is no industry down here. Uh, And it is hard, especially for, let's say, women like myself or queer folks, again, like myself, to engage with a hobby in a predominantly male space that is also dealing with its own stuff. So I guess that's the long and short of it when it comes to English as the vehicular language. Uh, It is a bridge, but it is a rife bridge. It has a lot of baggage attached to it. And it has a lot of cultural context that even English speakers from beyond our shores might not understand.
1: So... um if I understand correctly, unlike myself who uh, come from a French speaking environment where French is to some extent the national language or Diogo, uh, if I know correctly, where Portuguese is the national language, actually where you're from, English is the vehicular language, not only when you interact with foreign countries, but within your own country. Is that right?
2: Something like that. Yeah. Uh, the it, It's the language that is encouraged in educational institutions. But the problem there is most people do not even hit, uh, most people don't even graduate from grade school or high school, where we're from. And it is difficult to say that you should speak a particular kind of Filipino, because what do you mean? We have 7107 islands, our languages are languages, they are not dialects, they're languages. So uh, in my in my home province alone, there is Tagalog, but if I go next door, they might be speaking, uh, they might be speaking something else entirely. So new, again, English could be a neutral thing, but uh, how do you use that tool? Should you even use that tool and at what cost does it come through? So.
1: so Alan, you come from, from Ghana, among other places. Uh, is English one of the national languages in Ghana and are there other native languages which cohabits within the country?
0: yeah so i think that's a very interesting topic as i was listening uh from power, i was just thinking oh that resonates so much because it's so similar across the continent uh, you know in ghana and the rest of uh, of africa so just for disclosure like i'm both italian and ghanaian so i was based in ghana before moving here but i grew up uh, mostly in europe so i kind of got a bit of both perspectives and it was really fascinating for me to see like how in europe you know we take it so much for granted in europe you just grew up going to school speaking your native language uh, your teachers speak your native language, your TV's in your native language. It's such an advantage, like be it Italian or French or English or, or German, like everything is your native language. And even as a kid, you don't have this. I mean, sometimes you have a bit dialects, but again, dialects are still part of a language, right? As Pam was saying, it's not like completely different languages. But then for example, in Ghana, it's, uh, and in most African countries, you literally have like when you go to school, you're faced with a completely different language. So it could, mostly it's English, of course, in Ghana. In other countries, it might be French or even Portuguese. And this is like, a, it's a, a bit of a shock, basically. Uh, like there's even research on these that kids that are actually educated in another language uh, stay, tend to stay behind and struggle because you're learning not just maths or geography, you're actually learning English or French or, you know, another language on top of it. And, uh, and then it becomes a social class issue as well because like if you have all the means, then your your English is going to be really good. Maybe you can even study abroad and so on. If you like stop school very early or you go to the very back, I mean many schools teachers don't even show up in Ghana or they show up and they don't really. It's very sad. Like you know the system is still a bit behind. So of course this affects the way uh, role playing games are played. So in Ghana, must, unfortunately. The barely is a scene. Like I, I had to kind of create my own scene when I was playing uh, running games in Ghana. In the continent, of say South Africa has the strongest scene, and it's mostly for financial reasons because being able to access uh, the, the the internet, the P- even just downloading the PDFs, even if they might be free, some of them, it's just you need to have a, a hardware that can download it, you know, and a good connection, and you cannot waste waste all of those megabytes probably. So. Uh, there's definitely a focus in South Africa okay. and the language to yes, many people speak English, but most people speak it as a second or third language uh, or French. Cause then you have quite a big split on the continent to that francophone, anglophone. And so kind of often I notice my uh, African francophone friends, they usually look at uh, France for things. So even the role playing, what they know from video games is like more influenced by francophone media. And it might be neighboring countries, but somehow they have these projections of like, the ex-colonial powers. You see it even in how they see video games and tabletop games. So it's definitely a very complicated topic uh, with so many layers, social class, education, geography, colonial history. So I totally, I mean, I, what was being said before by Pam really, really resonates uh, to me. I'm not going to even open the queer topic because I'm queer as well, but <laughs> I'll leave that for later.
1: jogo is the situation somewhat simpler in Brazil? Is Portuguese... More dominating, and do you have a, a strong yeah. fear with Portugal itself, maybe?
3: Yeah, we, basically, Brazil does have the Portuguese as a language. We we do have, it uh, still have indigenous people in some uh, isolated areas, uh, but they they some of them still learning uh, Portuguese, but some are still like uh, preserving the contact with with. Uh, that the people around here, that there's, but most of the, the 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 country, it's only there's only one official language in, in Brazil. That's Portuguese, and we do have uh, English in schools, but most public schools, uh, the English, uh, it's it's only really like short classes, and they learn really the basic of the basic, and sometimes not even that because of uh, resources and, and, and the schools are, are under budget. And, and there's all the, the, the things I will talk to you before the, the panel, the question of violence. So you can't go to school because there's shooting and, and things like that. You know? So uh, education here is, is a real real problem. And of course, uh, consuming any kind of media that comes in English, especially in room playing games, like uh, Pamu said it's kind of like a a hobby for the 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 more prosperous or more it's like a a, a elite kind of hobby it's difficult to have access but we more and more we had some some brazilian games in the early 90s and we spent like maybe 10 years without any real uh brazilian games and now from the last 10 years or so Uh, we begin having more and more games in Portuguese, really excessive games that costing really like uh, less than $10 and we are making uh, pamphlet RPGs to give it for free to donate to schools Uh, Brazil is actually well, before Bolsonaro Brazil was the largest uh, buyer of books in the world we had programs to to buy books, to give to schools and, and things like that. So there were some, some government programs uh, that even some RPG authors took advantage of to release games, uh, to donate to schools. So there was this, this like 250 uh, hard, hardback, full-color, role playing game about uh, the colonial Brazil and its folklore mm-hmm. and stuff that was being sold for like less than $10. You know, and and for schools they, they they were free. So, but even even for outside of school, so it seems seems to us a program from the government. You could acquire it for really really cheap. So, but it, it sold out thankfully because a lot of people uh, could have access to a really good material like that. And
2: but most of
3: all, I. Sorry? Did you
1: say it was a, a role-playing
3: game? Uh... Yes, a role-playing game. And it's what, been released what, what, what in English the title? now. It's the, the title? Elephant and Macau Banner.
1: Okay, great.
3: Yeah. And it's been released in English now. And it's, it's a series of books uh, that, that have become a role-playing game, comics, and things like that here in Brazil. And, and it's... We have this 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 where we, really, we have really cheap Brazilian books and we have the expensive books that retranslate sometimes D and D and World of Darkness and we are releasing there is a, a publisher here releasing the new cult Divinity Lost and there is a, like, a big discussion on the internet because it costs two, more than two hundred reais which is it's equivalent to the price in England in converting dollars but for, for a Brazilian. It's 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 like a, a fifth of the, the, the minimum wage, you know. Mm. So if a, a person uh, gets minimum wage, can they afford to buy a, a game like that? Uh, obviously not, right? So...
1: I don't resist uh, referencing a, another panel uh, you hosted as part of the release called Tabletop RPG as the Lusitanians do, which was about tabletop RPGs in Portugal. And someone during that panel pointed out that uh, there were interesting cultural differences regarding languages in Portugal versus Brazil. Uh, Allegedly, in Brazil, uh, players like to have their games translated to Portuguese, while in Portugal, apparently, they didn't like it at all. They they had access to the training in English, so they preferred to have the games as they were written originally in English and and were not big fans of translations from, from Brazil. That's... That's an interesting word situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's, it's hard. Because I, I I was a translator for Dungeon Crawl Classics in Brazil. And it was hard. Very few people from Portugal was were interested in, in acquiring a game translated in Portuguese. And it's really hard to... We always think, oh, maybe we can sell this game to, uh, in Portugal. But they are more interested in, in games uh, in English. And I, I kind of understand that because... Uh, before we started having all these translations being made here, I, I, I already played Dungeons and & Dragons, and I remember uh, sitting down to play a game with the Brazilian books, and the, the names were, were, like, really strange, like uh, uh, Forgotten Helms, and his, like, Reinos Esquecidos, or maybe uh, Neville Winter was, like, uh, Num Verno. The names were... This sounded maybe because of, obviously, we were being like a culturally colonized from by United States American American culture, and it, and it sounds bad in Portuguese. I, I don't know why, but it, you it, you kind of get used to it as you as you hear more and more. You you kind of yeah that makes sense to be this name. It makes sense to to use this name, you know. And and I experienced something similar playing World of Warcraft. I used to play World of Warcraft in English, and then for like five, five years or so, they started translating everything to Portuguese. And in, in the beginning, it's, it's, it sounds really strange, but you, you get used it to it. And it's better for, for the people that are starting to play the game. It's way better to have something that you can understand and know why the name of something is that name, because if you're here in Neverwinter and you don't know English, you don't really understand why the name is that name. So my own background, so I was born
1: in Belgium, and uh, Belgium, although it's a European nation with a, a dreadful colonial history of its own, uh, it's, it has its own weird situation in terms of languages, because I've come from a place called Wallonia, that's the southern part of Belgium, which used to have its own language, Walloon, uh, which was sort of uh, destroyed by French uh, through self-arm uh, almost, not, not French nationals, but Belgian nationals, the culture was French-speaking. You have Flemish also, which is Dutch in Belgium. Uh, Flemish and Dutch uh, managed to remain, so now the country is mostly uh, bilingual, speaking French, speaking uh, Dutch to the north, and a little bit of German to the east, a little gift we got in World War II. (laughs) So my situation as a native from Belgium was that uh, I was very aware that a lot of language being spoken by a lot of different people. That's something I'm used to. And I'm telling that to sort of segue into the next section of this panel, which is, uh, so we use English to communicate with one another tonight. Otherwise, I would have no mean to discuss with any of you if we didn't have English. So that's a great opportunity. And we've got the internet, another thing without which this panel wouldn't be possible. But then we show up online. There's It's not their fault, but there's this massive presence of American natives, uh U- U.S. citizens and Northern Americans, and to a lesser extent, Britons and Australians. And they all speak English. And there's so many of them that it's difficult for me to hear you in different countries because you get on Twitter and what you get is the news and the discourse which comes out of the US because we use English, and everybody there uses English. We don't have an Esperanto, which was successful enough for us to, to communicate and, and go across that. So question is, why does it matter, do you think? Uh, wh- what is the impact and missed opportunities for, specifically, the tabletop RPG community and industry when we show up online and we, we are struggling to be heard or hear each other's uh, in that environment.
2: Well, I think first and foremost, that a lot of people forget that language is steeped in culture. And there is a, what I've noticed is that since the predominant culture right now is used to being the only players on the field, that makes it very difficult in terms of understanding each other, coordinating, making adjustments for even something as simple as time zones or conventions or visibility. The, those are some of the, uh, that's the kindest way that I can put it. Be, your language expresses your culture and it there are certain words, for example, or there are certain there it might even be a certain expectation that our English has to be good in order to be noticed. Uh, my favorite story that I like to tell is that as recent as last year, when I was at Big Bad Con, I still had people basically telling me, why is your English so good? And like, how did you get here? Right? And it, it took a lot of force of will on my part to not tell them, well, you know, your country colonized me in the 1900s, the history of America's involvement with my country and how difficult it can be, right? Because I don't think you'll like that story, right? It's um it's hard because many of us come in as outsiders. When we come in as outsiders, more often than not two things happen is what I've noticed. One, we are objectified and exotified as the strange new thing that has appeared on the scenes, particularly uh, my biggest example, of course, would be RPGC, the movement that I'm part of, where Southeast Asian creators are all flooding the scene, uh, surprising everybody by suddenly being there. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm okay uh, with Big Bad Con. I still got questions, as I said, about how uh, why is your English so good? And it, as well-meaning as people can be when they say that, uh, that's not exactly well-meaning to tell somebody who came from a country that was colonized by your country in the 1900s, where my fam- where I have a family story of my grandfather dealing with the Japanese and also never getting his pension from the States until it was too late. Like that sorted of history, right? So again, um, my analogy there is uh, as I observed, two things happen, objectified or exotified, where you are the shiny outsider, which is what a lot of my RPGC and friends and I experience, we are the new people and people treat us like some sort of discovery when in fact, we've been rolling dice since the 1970s to the 1980s. And we have at many times better English of better English command, or rather better command of the English language than some native speakers of English do, which is intriguing. And on the other hand, you have outright racism. Where we must adjust, we must be good, we must fulfill model Asian minority things, uh, and if we speak out or if we talk about our our worst experiences of of uh, harm or outright abuse, it is seen as us being too noisy. So it's that weird balance of how do we how do we enter into these spaces when we are fundamentally treated a certain way already because of our faces and because of what we do. Or we are expected to sacrifice and learn to get along. Uh, so I, it's it's dark, I guess. It's it, but I'm speaking very bluntly as somebody who's been in the industry for only about two years. Uh, but the communities do have a lot to learn when it comes to dealing with more of us coming out because we will not be we're not the first and we won't be the last. So
1: let's hope so. Um, well, lately I've. I had the pleasure to see more voices coming out of Southern Africa and actually that that's a south southern Af- South Africa based RPG, uh, which led me to get in touch with, with you, Alan. So what's your own experience uh, with that? Uh, what, what do you think what was the, the welcome the TRPG community, the English speaking one, uh, had for something like Wagadu Chronicles and uh, yeah, or did you deal with that?
0: So I, I think, first of all, it's awesome to follow up to Pamu because her uh, like explanations are so great. It makes my job so much easier. It's like, okay, she take this box, take this box. It's like racism, that comment. <laughs> so very much, I, I find that a lot of the topics that apply against to, you know, um, uh, uh, like Asian or, or Filipino community uh, apply or to apply to uh, black folks uh, around the world. And of course, specifically Africans, African Europeans like me and so on. And I think there's well, one thing I, I feel like we have this additional uh, layer, I mean, maybe, it's, you know, it, it's across other communities as well, but I think in the case, uh, in our case, there's a very strong element to, which is the um, like traditional additional layer of like being uh, black but native anglophone and not being, like being black, not native, and then being in between, that adds additional complications. So yes, first of all, like, um, you know, tabletop RPG spaces have been traditionally very white, so there's always this sense of like being a bit of an outsider right uh, and i very much agree with pamu on this but then there's another thing i've noticed like now uh, you know releasing the setting of the vogado chronicles uh for the first time before it was mostly a hobby for me Dungeons and Dragons, and then you know for the first time i was like out there with like a module and you know with players and, and getting more involved being on, on panels like this and today and then i realized too how there is a whole Kind of second layer of, like, if you're uh, African-American, you've kind of already built a community apart of, like, this large market and they do have their own issues, but, like, they're still part of an ecosystem. And if you're, like, you know, black but you're, like, uh, like me, so African-European, uh, you know, or you're based on the continent permanently, like, uh, you know, Ghana, South Africa, Nigeria, elsewhere, uh, or you're francophone and, there's, uh, you know, a lot of black people are francophones. Uh, there's, like, this additional level of, like, how do we find each other and how do we get our voices heard? And it's just like, I never been thought about it too much. And now that I'm getting into it, I'm like, wow, this is complicated. Because <laughs> there's some things that apply to us, don't apply to them. Some things apply to all of us. Some things that apply to people, Blacks, uh, Black Africans based in Africa, don't apply to me as an African-European based here currently. And it's so I think, but I must say overall, I find that, um, uh, and maybe I'll play a bit like that I was advocate on this, that English is more of a force for good in this case. Like it's kind of bringing us together. It's allowing, uh, you know, me to speak with Americans, to speak with South Africans, as you said, Callum, like I have to connect throughout. Like, I've been actually been connecting with African role players more now through the internet than when I was based in Africa, I find, <laughs> just because like the internet and English that's so great. But yet, yeah, but on the other hand, we're doing this on the fringes. And yes, then you do get these comments like people like wondering, why you're there basically they wouldn't say it like this but it's like who are you like what's going on uh, and so it's 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 so complicated and I, but i do think for a personal point of view that being in this position of like speaking other languages and then english as a medium of international communication is a privilege for me i think it's awesome like and when i grew up in, an, in, a, in a household where we spoke like there was an african language there was english there was italian uh, it was like well, actually two african languages it was like really a mix of everything actually my Grandmother understood a tiny bit of Portuguese as well, because my African ancestors actually were uh, ex-Brazilian black slaves that fled in the 19th century. So there was like a literally, so just a shout out to Brazil. (laughs) There was a bit of everything that I think that's, that's cool. And I hope the community moves more and more in this direction. So like, kind of, yes, it's English, and I think it's awesome, and we should keep it as a medium of communication, but then kind of be more aware that it's normal that we're all using English as an international language. So to be aware as an American, as an Australian, so like that English is just one of the languages, right? But um, it's going to be a long path, I think.
1: It's very interesting how you've got. Uh, sorry, I'm going to start over. It's very interesting how you've got the, such an array of an ex- of experience. Uh, because uh, I'm personally quite fascinated to hear f- more and more from uh, not only through R P G C but others, uh, the the view not only on tabletop RPG, but a, a number of issues from, uh, from from Asia, which is not the same as Asian immigrants in the US. I'm very interested to hear the voices mm. coming from Africa, which are not the same as Afro-American. Uh, the contrast is very, very important. And as a white person who's privileged, uh, I mean, not white, not only uh, I'm white, I'm a male, I also grew up in countries which had a healthcare system and a number of technical and social infrastructures which supported my development in life. It's, uh, if I, in the tabletop RPG strictly per se, uh, I want to engage with a, a very large audience, well, I will have to do so with the American audience. And then uh, while I still am Every privilege compared to to them, yeah. a Afro American from the U.S. will have other advantages for this very specific purpose of engaging with the U.S. community, which I don't have as a as a European. Uh, Hugo, what, what about you? Uh, what does all of that uh, inspire you?
3: Yeah, I want to I want to talk about the way. They, they said, so English can be this, this thing that's uh, colonizing our culture too, but it's, at the same time, it's, it's the way we found to communicate with one another. Uh, and that document we were discussing before, right, you said that it was not about uh, getting the content in English to Brazil, but, but even though if uh, I want to, to know about the content that, that Pamu or other people from South Asia is producing, if they make it on their their native language, I, I will have no way of accessing that information. So English, it's like a two-way street. Like it takes, but it it kind of gives us something because we, we don't have anything else, right? We, that's yeah, it's what we found. it's funny to
1: see it's funny to see. So I lived for a while in Brussels, and Brussels we have something a, a bit reflecting, I guess, your experience in Italy, Alan. Uh, we have something we call Commission English. So it's the English which is spoken with the lobbyists. The you know all the employees work for the European Commission. So you spend, you live in Brussels. You think you speak English very well and you understand English very well, but you actually speak it with Polish individuals, uh, uh, with with Italians, with Germans. You speak English all the time, but never almost with native speakers. Uh, but it's this platform language and then you show up outside, you show up in, in London and suddenly you're like, people don't understand you or you don't understand people because their accent or their speed is quite different. And also the, the impetus is not, it's not the same. You, everybody's not as proactive in understanding what you are saying as we are, if I'm speaking to a poor or to an Italian, because we all know that we, we are meaning things, we contextual things much more
2: it's interesting also because um due to a the concept of imperialism in the philippines because manila is our capital and it was it was colonized primarily by spain but and because it was colonized by spain you assume the entire philippines was colonized by spain but in actuality it was only really manila and a couple of other places so there has developed a culture of centrism towards manila that anything that matters to manila is what matters to the philippines but that is not the case So when it comes to English, for example, if you are a Filipino from Manila and you go to a province and you speak Tagalog, which is usually recognized as Filipino by the international audience, they will actually do a quiet act of passive aggression on you and speak back to you in English, as if telling you subtext-wise, hey, don't bring your Tagalog into my province. We don't speak your language. So let's just speak English so that we can get along because it's insulting that you're bringing your Tagalog into our space when our affairs have nothing to do with you. So it's it's a very complicated issue. And I can, again, only speak for the Philippines. I have a few eyes on Southeast Asia and how they wrestle with English, but um, the Philippines alone is already a rodeo. Like uh, I forgot to mention as well that uh, I'm glad that Callum brought up the idea of privilege because I am considered privileged, very privileged in the Philippines. The fact that I can be on this live stream right now speaking in straight English and engaging with people around the world because I am a designer for tabletop, which is a niche hobby, means that I come from a backbone of privilege. Most people here will not even know what it means to roll dice outside of gambling, right? And the, the idea of a pretend world that you sit in, when you play with your friends, the first thing they will think are mobile games. And it's, it's a very strange uh, place for me to occupy because in my country, I'm rich, but when I go out, I'm not. And when I go engage in online spaces, I'm also not the privileged one here. So it's, it's so complicated. I, I think we could talk in several panels about this stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like here too. Like uh for here uh in Brazil, uh if someone looks at me and say, well, Jogo is white, and and it, for people outside of Brazil, I, I, I am not. And for some people I'm Latin, and for for, for for people from Latin America, Brazil is not Latin America because it's not. Spanish they don't have the same characteristics uh, I really don't understand the place of Brazil in all of this because uh, I don't know I, I've been called a fucking Mexican in the United States but uh, I, I don't know I don't know how to classify and it looks like uh, this classification depends on who, are, who is looking uh, towards mm-hmm. us and, and it's really weird yes I think and, it also and, you have- know, saying something about bad English when I first started producing material for this, I almost didn't start because I saw people being hacked uh, about their content because it it wasn't proper in English and, and things like that and and it was something that really uh, was stopping me for for making things and luckily, I found some some more sympathetic people that talked to me and and, and it was easier, but it's, it's something that's uh, really scary for people that are starting because there, there's no internet full of people that will readily say to you to stop making something right. Yeah, definitely. For any any reason at all.
1: Criticism is it's not only more, more common, but it's a repeated source of frustration for me that it's more popular. You know, something negative gets retreated more easily that's an, than that's uh, another
2: panel entirely that's
1: another, <laughs> another <laughs> panel but there, there we go alan you wanted to build on that
0: yeah i just a yeah. comment on
1: how much joy brings me to hear like both
0: from diago and pamu these uh, topics because we never hear about these things online for instance the topic about in, in ghana's where english as a language that becomes kind of a neutral language even to deal with Different, different people, different ethnic groups, like, for instance, the, the national anthem in Ghana had to be changed from uh, Chui, which is like the Tagalog of Ghana, the biggest local language, but not everyone's language, to English, or to remove the words, because people who spoke the other languages of Ghana were like, no, we don't want that language there. So they had, actually had to settle down for English, or just remove completely. So yeah, it, it's it, there's so many layers, and I, you know, I'm super happy to hear this, because it's and even uh, you mentioned as well a uh, column about uh by the way commission english it's kind of the english i've settled for today you know, kind of this neutral european english but when i was a kid actually where i come from the no one spoke english i was actually in a small village in italy in the mountains so it was kind of like and i, so I spoke more of the Ghanaian english and that was a problem for school because then my teachers sometimes would correct me about things but that was just the colonial British English that I learned from my grandmother. Sorry, sorry, Ghanaian English. I learned from my grandmother. And then you know at the time I just accepted it and I would like, you know, and even my grandmother yelled at me, why did you go and speak Ghanaian English at school? <laughs> like, you know, you have to speak white English. And then I just at the time I just accepted it, you know, and I said, like, oh, and and she grew up during the British Empire. Like my 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 grandmother was an adult at the time with the British she was educated by white people who were there colonizing in Ghana Her school she had white teachers like it was an elite who had only white teachers at the time so now actually growing up i was like wait why did i have to stop saying those words you know like what well, it's it's and again like layers and layers and layers that i think people should start getting more aware of and of course the whole privilege topic uh, i agree like totally see dirgo's point like pamu like i am definitely yes i have to deal with with discrimination throughout my life in europe and in the, in the current in the tabletop scene like you know in staff of our game like one thing i have to do is like i have to delete Hateful comments on the internet, like it's like kind of one of my tasks. When I go online, I always have to check, oh, was there any hateful comments? Because the setting that I, got, the chronicles that I created is very black and it it's only black people, so and it's based on pre colonial Africa, so it's like very much a statement. Uh, I think it's a good setting as well, and luckily, many people agree out there, but for many white people, unfortunately, just because of this, it's something they want to hate on, and that's an additional task I have, it's something I have to deal with. and. And that's something you don't have to deal with most of the time if you're creating just a white-based uh, setting. But at the same time, saying this, I'm still privileged because uh, I am, you know, I have a European passport. Uh, I'm, I can decide if I want to spend my winters in Accra or in Berlin. Uh, when I go to Africa, in most African countries, I'm perceived as white because of my lighter skin tone, and so there is some sort of like sometimes positive discrimination that happens. It's like I can get into clubs without, you know, just uh, getting into queue because oh, because I'm white. But then I come back here, and then I'm black, and I cannot even you know, repair my bag because people are calling the police, because I'm, I think I'm stealing. It's so complicated. So I'm super happy to hear all of these topics come out in this.
1: Yeah, yeah, people might wonder what does it has to do with a lot of role-playing games at this point. But I think it's very important that when I interact with people online, I realize that even, even audience, which are indie-minded, to give it a name, Uh, don't realize those realities that things might be different. Uh, We're talking about privilege. Even among all the whites in Belgium or France, I am privileged also because I'm somewhat fluent in English. Why? It's really not the case of everyone over there. Uh, It's more the case if you go to the Netherlands or Flanders, people are more bilingual there than they are in Wallonia or the most part uh, of France. So... There's many layers of things going on, and the reason, part of the reason I wanted this panel to uh, arrive is uh, to happen, is because at some interactions of online, where I could tell the people I was talking to had no clue; they never had an opportunity to engage with this reality of uh, what's language, what does that mean? On one hand, we use English; on the other hand, most of us come from culture, which sometimes, often, literally fought with. English uh, can be on an economic or cultural aspect. France is doing that very hard, and it's that's a battle it's been losing for for decades now. It's struggling to keep itself. So the whole France, you know, not even Belgium. France, privileged colonial country with a lot of industry and a lot of things going on in terms of entertainment and media. They're losing that battle against Hollywood, and that's a reality which. Americans don't even realise and I don't I know why, but it's it's nice to try to to engage with that because I, I believe also people are keen to, to listen, especially in audience with like Metatopia, of course. Uh, I'm aware of just the time flying. So uh what I really wanted to talk about tonight is of way forward specifically for the tabletop RPG community regarding those issues. So trying to recenter there. And uh, I will frame it a bit more than uh, I did in the structure. In terms of way forwards, uh, I'd like us to discuss a bit what we can do, each of us, in our local community. So what I can do as part of the French-speaking community, what you can do in your different countries. I think RPGC is a very interesting example. Uh, What can we do to consolidate our message and get it stronger out there? to all the audiences or the, uh, we, we use English, uh, not only uh, the one in the U.S. or the U.K., but everyone there, or do we get this message wrong? so what can we do? And also, what can the, the people listening or watching to this panel could do Them if they are an American who's keen on getting more aware and enjoying more things from abroad, what can they do to, to make the environment online more welcoming uh, to us? Uh, Pam, RPGC, uh, sorry you, you sprawled up there, even if you've been there for a long time. I was very <laughs> happy to see you pop out there. I would really like to see similar initiatives in different places, including uh, among French speakers. Uh, what did you do? Why what, what is it a success? I think it's a success, if I may.
2: Thank you. Uh, interestingly enough, I'm not even the person who started the hashtag. Uh, one of my friends from the Philippines started the hashtag with another friend from Malaysia and a friend from, Sh- and a friend from Singapore. And the main frustration behind it was nobody is aware that all of our countries have been literally playing and making games for over 20 years. So how do we solve that issue? But how do we solve that issue without actually speaking for each other? Because if there's one thing that a lot of Southeast Asian countries bond over, it is the experience or lack thereof of dealing with foreign powers that have decided to walk into our spaces and speak for us. That's why RPGC is a hashtag. It is not a consolidated community. There is no authoritative voice. There are only representatives that happen to be a little more visible and have a lot more time on their hands, like myself. To speak about RPGC. So we recognize no leaders and no masters. And we only, uh, we are okay with a hashtag because it lets anybody who identifies as Southeast Asian, whether they are diasporic or locally based to use the hashtag and promote themselves or their culture or their hobby. And in that way, we kind of unite through diversity. And we also include by not actually forcing anybody to follow a set of rules. Now, I could go on forever about exactly what RPGC is about in the history. But again, that's another panel. So uh, that that is a successful model for us. We do not like speaking for other people. We don't like to be spoken for. And we also try to confer. What I've noticed about a lot of people who use a hashtag is we try to not do the same for BIPOC from beyond our shores. I would never speak for a Black experience. I certainly would not speak for an Indigenous one or for anybody else who is not white. Now, in terms of what I think the white community could do for us, listen more. Um, I think that a lot of us are working very hard to be visible. So the more that people listen and the more that people educate themselves and the more that they stay fundamentally open and humble and realize that, you know, well, you might not be a bad person. uh, You are coming from a particular historical context that has a particular historical relationship with mine. So it would be better if we could level on that rather than me having to constantly explain myself and why these things are hard for me. Because more often than not, uh, I might have the words, but that took a lot of pain, struggle, and frankly, anger. Uh, Not a lot of people in my position have that privilege to be able to process it and figure out how do I reach a wider audience and make them understand that there is so much out there, we have so much to offer, we could learn from each other. And uh, honestly, uh, the American market is very important for creators like myself, because there is no market here. Uh, There are people who make games and there are people who try to make it out on their own, but there are no big industry names for tabletop that are visible in the Philippines. So when we do our own marketing, we have to go indie. And that means that people will have to look to our Patreons to support us or check our Twitter feeds out and see if they could hire us. And again, part of that is listening and hopefully not boxing all of us in to, hey, if I wanna do Southeast Asia, let's only cherry pick a few people that seem interesting. It's honestly a setup of take us all if you can, or don't take us at all because it's not, you're not doing any favors by picking only a few people. If you want to learn more about RPGC, check the hashtag out, don't just check me out. Word. Uh (laughs)
1: Alan, <laughs> is there any chance or would you know of any initiative similar to that? Is there any hashtag people could follow for uh, the African I mean Africa is such a huge continent we, we always put a, a single yes. word of, on that massive mass of land going from Northern Africa where people speak a bit more French, it's got a very different history than southern uh, Central Africa and then Southern Africa but are there sub-regional or even Pan-African uh, initiative uh, out there already? Or, or are you about to launch one following this panel? So
0: maybe that could be. And I'm just going to answer like the two questions you mentioned. Like One, the rhetorical question, like why does it matter, like what we were discussing before about racism and privilege and so on. And I just want to quickly say that that is so important as a context to understand. Like, you know, for us, like why... Uh, why do I have to deal with racism online if I just create my tabletop setting, you know, and, and, and be drained by that because of the historical context of what has, has happened to black people and how they've been vilified. Or why even I, as a you know, African-based in Europe, have the access to create a setting and then to get it out there. And actually, I worked for free for a long time to get this out, whereas, like, you know, many Africans on the continent haven't been able to do this yet. And uh, more and more, hopefully this will happen. But you know, there's a reason why it's me speaking now and not someone from, from Congo. Uh, uh, and I hope next time it's going to be someone from the deep of Congo, like calling for, for the next call. But you know, we, we need, this is like, a, and probably if it's not someone from, like me in Europe, it's probably going to be an African American or maybe from South Africa. So we need to, the, the historical context is super important. So we need to understand where we're going. And another thing is like, and I think Pam was mentioning that to some extent, Because of the colonial history and what has happened to us, the market is very small as well. So, for instance, for my setting, even if it's like very African-inspired, I am kind of forced to look outwards and to kind of look at the U.S. and make sure that they're involved. And I mean, I'm very, I have a, you know, there's lots of things I like about the U.S. as well. I think there's lots of interesting things going on and scenes and so on. But at the same time, it is a disadvantage as a foreigner, someone from out of the continent to be always having to look, oh, look at my percentages, I'm seeing numbers, like 60, 70% of my potential audience or my actual audience is US. And I have to think about this and and, and adapt to it. So English becomes, I mean, there's no way that I could have done this in uh, Swahili or Hausa or you know, any big African language. No way. It's like not an option. Even my European first language, Italian, to be honest, is not a great choice because it's not like, you know, it's just spoken in like one country in Europe. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not understood by most people out there. So because the U.S. doesn't speak Italian, the U.S. speaks English. So it's in the end, like I, everything connects, I think. And I, as you're saying, Kalum, I really hope that we'll have more initiatives coming from Africa. I think there's some cool things happening. You mentioned South Africa. There's some cool streamers. Check them out. I think awesome thing that the Comic-Con was great. Like they were uh, you know, like really pushing the role playing scene. Uh, I know Kenya is starting a bit uh, and there's an interesting bridge between comics and role-playing games in Africa, so well, what I'd say, what you can do is support and buy the products, like go and, because uh, as I said, the markets are small because of what happened in the past, so we need, and sometimes some people go like, oh, cultural appropriation, I'm not going to get involved, I want to leave that for you. We have private spaces and we'll let you know when we need those private spaces, but for this, in this case... When we're selling our products, and you know we want you know people to to support us, please support us. It's like actually this is an invitation to be part of it. So that would be my my call for action, just to you know uh, put money in. And as FAMU said, not just the like one token case. Try and look for more people. Like just investigate, research, check the hashtags, Google a bit, and it's not super hard to find uh, you know more than one uh, one creator and just support them.
1: Well, I just wanted to rebound on the idea of uh, why the U.S. is so important in terms of market. Uh, I mean, I could imagine a U.S. citizen asking, well, why why don't you do that in Europe? Uh, Europe's been banding together as the European Union uh, in terms to to have an influence over a number of commercial things. But when you come to to products of entertainment or something like tabletop role-playing games, Uh, language comes into play again, and you face a fragmented market. Uh, You've got countries which each have a different language, and it's quite convenient. That's the reality, but as we said also, it's it's, it's not in Europe. Uh, Europe's been banding together as the European Union uh, in terms to, to have an influence over a number of commercial things. But when you come to products of entertainment or something like tabletop role-playing games, uh, language comes into play again, and you face a fragmented market. Uh, You've got countries which each have a different language, and it's quite convenient. That's the reality, but as we said also, we might be using English when we are in the commission with politicians or privileged individuals, but there are not enough people in the wider demographics who master English sufficiently. And it's not just a question of privilege. It's also a question of culture and politics and defending your local identity through you know, championing Italian, German, Portuguese, Spanish, French. Those things need to be championed and protected from uh, English influence. Uh, what well, that means... You, you cannot have a product just in English without subtitles, if it's a movie or just written in English and sell it widely, even in a market like the European Union. Maybe I'm not aware, I wasn't had the pleasure of interviewing tabletop RPG fans from China. Maybe China could develop in such a market, but I'm not aware of the specificities of language over there. But it's very I know, difficult I know China, to with critical yeah, mass.
2: China, China and East Asia generally have their own markets and they're trying to do their own thing. Uh, I'd rather not speak for East Asia, but that's what I know about my research. Uh, China has the role playing game, so does Japan and so does Korea. Uh, the Philippines, not so much, and Southeast Asia, not so much. So
1: <laughs> We'll see. Uh, I, I definitely recommend anyone, if someone from anywhere in the world, uh, we mentioned Congo, I would love to find Tabletop RPG fans from Congo. Uh, I can interview you in French if you're not comfortable with English. Uh, but, you know, it's hard work. Uh, it was hard work finding the three of you uh, today. and You did uh, great, absolutely. Thank, <laughs> you, thank you very much. But, uh, and I was helped by the people. Uh, what's the name of that stream from Southern Africa, Helen? Dam 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 Dai.
0: Yeah, they're great. So we'll check them. them out. Just shout out to Check them, them, them out down. in
1: English. So without them, Alan wouldn't be there. Our female uh, stream, I, they're awesome. Okay, Diogo, we've been holding the, the talking time <laughs> here. Uh, what does all of that inspire you? Uh, what can, can you do in Brazil to make yourself more visible? And how could uh, the native English-speaking audience be more welcoming mm-hmm. of what's coming out of Brazil?
3: Yeah, I, I I would like to say that I was really inspired by RPGC. Uh, I saw that community on Twitter, and I was every time I see, it, I, I always think I wish we had something like this for maybe Latin America or even Brazil. Uh, we there isn't this. We're only beginning making things from uh, international market. I think it was. Uh, the first uh, Brazilian creator that used a, a crowdfunding platform to publish a game in English. And, but we're we seeing more and more people, at least from Brazil, creating stuff uh, in English and, and sharing what we're making here. We have like, some groups in, in Brazil uh, with me, uh, Guilherme Gondido, Lucas Rolim, and, and, uh, and a lot of creators who have created like, a group in, in Facebook to share resources about uh, public domain art uh, free applications for you to to design your book or to uh, you know make make your games uh, and graphic editing or even recommendation of artists uh, editors translators we're trying to make people produce more stuff even 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 all in Portuguese you know we we began uh, like this zine culture in Brazil. A lot of people are producing zine. I I produced one of the first back when the Dungeon Core classics from game produced it here. But we always try. I always try to say to them uh, to try to if you can to make it in English and show what we're doing here and 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 I even started a community about some Latin American creators, but it's really small still. I I. I I don't seem to find a way to get more people involved. We have uh, some people from Argentina, some people from Mexico, some people from Chile, but, but it's still really small. We tried to create a, rash, a, a hashtag for, for uh, Brazilian OSR, but it was like bro So it's kind of makes some, some kind of sexist because of bro. So I don't oh, no. know what to do, you know, and maybe BR, BRZ, OSR, because we really like OSR, so, and we're really studying how to, how to promote things from, from Brazil. I even, uh, searched here if there is something like Latin RPG, but there isn't anything like that. And I really want to follow RPGC example and try to, to bring, uh, Latin American creators together somehow and promote what, what we're doing here. I'm always trying to, to learn what people are doing in Argentina, in, in Mexico, in, in in Chile or Guatemala or any any place I wanted to see if they're creating something. But it's it's really I, I don't know where to search or who to talk to. I have some uh, I have a friend in Uruguay. He says there is no Uruguay market there. There's no nothing being created there. But I don't know. I know there is in Argentina and Mexico and Chile, there is some stuff, but I'm, I'm sure there, there must be something uh, someplace else, but I'm still trying to find it and I, I would like to promote it more. I don't know. We tried to make a zine from the Latin America RPG group on Facebook, well, but only me and another guy produced something to put on the zine. So the zine hasn't happened yet, but we are trying. You
1: you mentioned Diogo RPGC. You know, there's this weird phenomenon I hope you won't uh, come across poorly, but I compare it like, you know, we're on this Earth and the notion of other planets. You know, like planets in a long, um, orbiting another sun uh, for a long time or something. Well, we don't think this thing really exists. And then they found the one and suddenly it's like overnight we are comfortable with them being thousands of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a notion. We just need one to know to be there, certain to be there, and then suddenly we do the math and we're actually there's a lot of other stuff going on there. So we just need to break that little bubble of feeling that there's just English-speaking reality. There's just places where Dungeons & Dragons, there mm. I dropped the name, is the biggest tabletop <laughs> RPG. It's not in Germany, it's not in Japan, uh, it was not in, I'm not sure it's still today in France, and if it is, it's certainly not as overbearing as it is in the US market. It is in Brazil. It's not even <laughs> as overbearing so. here in the UK than it is in the US. So as soon as you expose just one of the many other realities which are out there, suddenly there's something which snaps the, the coin, the, the penny drops, as we say, and, and it's much more easier for people to be open and more curious and realize that there are other realities to, to engage with. At least that's, uh, that's how uh, I think uh, f- things are. You also mentioned Kickstarter. I think it's an uh, amazing tool that if people are there want to, to help people like uh, tonight... Uh, to engage more with the English audience, look up for English translations of different games too. uh We had Aquelarre, a Spanish game, uh, amazing game, which, I mean, visually, which I haven't played, but it seems amazing. It's got an English translation thanks to Kickstarter. We got Shadows of Esteron, which had an original English mm-hmm. edition from French uh, thanks to Kickstarter. So there, there are initiatives out there so uh, please uh, the English audience and the audience all over the world, by supporting this sort of initiative, I think we're supporting each other and we're making everything a more diverse thing, and even if you're white it benefits you, because it, it goes beyond colorism or racism uh, there's just so many voices over there to, to listen to Yeah,
3: there's, there's uh, the internet's really good for you can reach these people, but it's also, the, the algorithms from, from the sites, and it's really hard. Even if you're out there putting out content, sometimes it, you, it seems like you don't reach anyone. And, and, and maybe, I, use, I, I don't produce D&D content, but I use their hashtag to maybe try to reach someone because they, they may be curious about something else, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you, put crit, you put hashtag critters there, critical rule, or thank God it's Thursday, and, uh, and then it does, it does its magic. Uh, uh, speaking of, just also uh, recently I'm trying to engage a bit more with the Japanese tabletop RPG community or the TRPG community. Uh, Twitter has got an amazing tool, which is Google Translate. So it will translate to English, any language. So it's not perfect, yeah. but it's quite good. So people shouldn't hesitate also to follow foreign accounts and use that function, I think, too, to keep an eye uh, with what is going on there uh, in different countries. You might be uh, surprised uh, by things. Does anyone want, um, conscious of the time, uh, how much time do we have left for this, or should we wrap up? Hmm. That's what Wrapping I
2: think.
1: <laughs> okay, but we're going to wrap up, but does anyone want to add something uh, on this way forward before we we do the proper wrap up the goodbyes and the plugs
2: money is very important that's it like we need money everybody needs money i know that but uh, just for further context your single dollar is 50 pesos down here uh, that's a lot of money so uh, a 100 hundred dollar commission could pay for my groceries for a week so if you want more of me and you want more of my friends throw us money and we will produce and also listen to us so that's about the only thing i could say on that matter
1: Yeah, and I don't want to create uh, unfair competition across borders, but money has actually been an interesting phenomenon to have more... uh, (laughs) No, but I I know friends like... Check out Nibiru, the tabletop role-playing game. A lot of the art in that Mm -hmm. game is done by Eastern European artists, as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know Francita, Mm -hmm. who is an amazing graphic designer. She works from Chile. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for artists, uh, it's been an opportunity. Art coming from a lot of different nations across the world because uh, the living standards and the costs uh, were different. So hiring a very talented Polish artist is actually cost-saving for a lot of uh, tabletop RPG production. So. Uh, that's that's not great for the artists in the UK or the US uh, who are also struggling, but uh, there's definitely an incentive on calling on t- upon the, the talent you can find worldwide.
3: Yeah, I think that's an, another discussion too. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always this discussion: we are, are charging too cheap, or charging too much, or and it's and that's yeah, right. sometimes yeah. That's a
1: balance. So when you're abroad, from I, you should also not undercut the prices of other people. But yes. there's a balance. And I do work
3: too, so I, I have to deal with that all the time. Because so sadly. I don't know.
1: yeah, <laughs> that's the capitalist reality of uh, the world we live in, which is a topic on its own for yeah. multiple. I wish we
3: didn't companies. need money. I wish we did, I could do this because I love it and and have all my needs met, but.
1: A good Star Trek, the next society.
3: True. We just yeah. do our
1: craft and I'm <laughs> unemployed. I'm not paid. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> a good place for people if they want to hear more voices from across the world is my show, the Errolis Podcast. Uh, we got different panels. we got panels dedicated to Portugal, the UK, France, conventions across the world. So please come check it out. Uh, I am Kaloum uh, from the Erodis and the RPG Academy. So... Um, I hope there will be a link in the description of this video in YouTube uh, because it's difficult to spell. Awesome. There will be... uh, Oh, speaking of which, you know what? Roliste. That's a French word for tabletop RPG fan. I haven't found another language where they have a specific word for that.
3: It's (laughs) a unique French thing. Spanish is Roliste. Spanish is Roliste, too. So it's similar to French, yeah. Yeah, cool. but I... in, in Portuguese, we, we call like a RPGista, which is like RPGista.
2: You know? Interesting. We don't translate learning... the RPG part. Yeah. I'm learning so much. Uh, we have no name for it over here, so. You need to to go
1: and do one. I tried to make a realista in Italian happen through the title of an episode, but uh, it didn't. <laughs> uh,
2: on.
1: On that, well, I guess we can close like that. Plug yourself, say your goodbye, and tell me, in your language of choice, or would you call a realist? Uh Pam?
2: But like I said, we have no name, but if you want to find me, uh, I am again Pam Consalan, Pamu, the Dove tailor, on Twitter, on Itch, and on Patreon. Please give me your money. I promise that my stories are interesting. And also... Well, uh, I'm working on a lot. I forgot to mention. Uh, you'll see likely my name in a lot of different projects. I'm keeping busy. Uh, big projects and small projects, and I like to hop systems a lot. So I've done. Designed for traditional games, and I've also done design for PTBA, Fortune of Dark, and OSR, so it's a bit of a big thing for me to kind of go everywhere. If you want to learn more about RPGC, hashtag RPGC is open on Twitter. We also have a Discord for people who might want to just drop in, drop out. It is invite-only with recommendations, so uh, if I love you, you will likely get in. If I do not know you, please wait, and let's get along a bit on Twitter before I decide to bring you in. (laughs) So uh, that's where you can find me. The Dovetailer, Twitter, itch, and Patreon, rpgc, the hashtag for Twitter.
1: The rpgc Discord is very select. Uh, this whole panel is a scheme of my part to finally get invited there. So we'll see if it works. Uh, <laughs> Alan. Yeah, so. Don't do like fun. Try to make history. Create a word. You, you, if it doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. You go there, you create actually, it. I, you know, I was going to use my tiny French to actually use whole as well
0: because <laughs> I studied some French. Oh, I love release. I'm going to go That's for it. like, Je so ne sais quoi, or Rendez-vous, yeah. yeah okay. uh, rendez-vous, <laughs> release. Okay, <there> you go. <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, I think we should come up with more. Next time, I promise. But anyways, you can find uh, me on the setting on the Ouagato Chronicles.com. Uh, actually, the, there's a module for free. You can download the 300 pages so you can check the setting. If you like it, And next year, end of next year will be uh, selling, like for now it's Kickstarter, but it's finished, but we'll be selling the books, PDFs, and maybe another version of the paper one from the end of next year. Uh, but for now, as you can download for free already a module, see so if you like it, start playing with your friends. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I'm running, uh, the company behind the, the Wagado Chronicles is making a video game as well. So if you like the setting, you can check out the video game as well. We'll be posting updates on the website, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's all the Wagado Chronicles. And we have a Discord as well, uh, ours is a bit easier to get into <laughs> for now, <laughs> and uh, uh, so you're most welcome uh, to join uh, as, well as the link on the website, so it's easy to find, and it's very much exciting about pre-colonial Africa, kind of like Tolkien, Middle-earth meets pre-colonial Africa, that's kind of what it is, uh, and it's been super exciting so far to get feedback, we're still developing it, we're still adding things, changing it, so join and just kind of bring your input, But
1: most welcome. And thanks for having me, Calvin. And you can find it. My pleasure. And you can find an interview where Alan tells even more about that on Doom, Doom, Die. Uh, everything about the Guadagadu Chronicles, including the fact that it's actually a setting for d and 5th edition system. So the international language of d and 5th edition or Overlord, yes. <laughs> you can use it to understand that setting.
3: <laughs> go, <Yogo. Yes>. go. <laughs> uh, some people try to use "honista" uh, here in Brazil, but because "hola" it's like a, a, a dirty word here. Uh, it didn't don't oh, work uh, out really well. So I, I just use RPGista. It's like RPG or something like that. And so I'm, I'm Diogo Nogueira. I'm, um, I have the old school publishing. I, I publish games. Uh, that I make like Summer blades and cosmic spells, sharp sword and Sensor spells, and I make other things. I'm really into the OSR, but I mix it with influence from story games or, or more mainstream stuff. So I have things that they look like old uh, original D D, but has a little of Fate, a little of Cortex, and 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 I think I can learn from all different games to make something of my own and. You can find me at Twitter at Diogo Underline Old skull, like a, like a skull from, from the skeleton and, and old, and it's playing with old school, you know. And I'm I'm also involved in a lot of projects, big and small, like like uh, Pamu. Um, I just did an adventure for old school essentials, which is kind of a big old school game now. And I'm talking to other creators of other big games that I might be involved with. And I also do some art, uh, black and white art. I'm doing some cartography here now for a, a, a game from, for Magpie games. And uh, I think that's it. that's it. I had something else to, to talk about, but I, I think I forgot.
1: If, if it comes <laughs> back to you, so if you need a good map in black and white at the cost of a Brazilian artist, there you go, you can contact, you're good. Thank you. Thank you so much to the audience of Metatopia for this was still RPGs in English as our vehicular language beyond the American culture online. Thank you so much to the team of Metatopia for organizing this and you know, in those difficult times of COVID, uh, I must say it's been, uh, uh, first of all, that's something I would have never imagined would happen. the opportunity to be on a panel for Metatopia. And that's another way you can engage with people in different countries. Go check out the online conventions they are running right now. Uh, They need your support, and they definitely need your participation. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye.
3: Thank you.